Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yes, thank you for having me. Can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Yes. So I grew up in Rockland County, New York, in a small town called Nanuet. Um, and I come from like a very athletic family. So I was always an athlete growing up. So I ate pretty clean and like balanced meals. Um, I mean, most of my like more exciting and vivid food memories come from holidays and gatherings and just, you know, country ham and mac and cheese and candied yams and cookouts with ribs and grilled sausages. So those are the things that like stick out. (laughs) They're a little bit more exciting that occasion type of eating, but um, yeah. Right. And now you live in New York? Yes. Now I am in New York City, which was always like my goal growing up just to like be in the city and have that more like what I thought was glamorous and exciting and what I now know (laughs) is just hustle and bustle and regular. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, what made you interested in food and begin publishing while entertaining magazine and launching to be hosted? So, I mean, so many things. I think I, growing up, I always loved parties and holidays and gatherings because I think I was always excited to see family and friends and even more excited about like, that's when the more interesting food and flavorful food was going to come out was like through these events. So I always kind of like, I loved eating and dancing and laughing. And as I got older, I was like, okay, well, what does that mean as a career? I don't really know. Um, But if you've ever watched, did you ever watch 30 Rock back in the day? Of course, yeah. Okay, so you recall Kenneth, the page. Uh So I was a page. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That was like my post-college job because I was like, this is perfect. I can literally bounce around a company and figure out what it is that I want to do. And it was an exciting industry. And while I was there, I was like always mesmerized by the parties and productions. But what would irritate me as much as I loved that environment was like there were the same caterers and the same vendors that were like getting all of this big business. So Mm -hmm. that's when I decided I was going to start my own event company. Uh, And it just, yeah, it was like a natural affinity for liking events and then wanting to kind of problem solve and having an event company that was like food focus and would actually hire black vendors and hospitality businesses. So I started to be hosted in 2017. It was kind of a side hustle throwing dinner parties. And before long, I had all of these interesting clients to work with, like Nestle and Equinox and Netflix. And I started planning their dinners and hiring black chefs and black sommeliers and black owned businesses to produce them and and really like saw that vision come to life. And then I started the magazine in, um, in 2019 because I was like, okay, how can I take this energy and like scale it a little bit bigger because dinner parties are small. I was only reaching like 20 or so people at a time. So I came up with this concept for a magazine that would help other people throw their own dinner parties, but also tell these stories on a bigger scale than what I could at in-person events. So that's the, the shortest version of the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, did you have training in, in food or in publishing 
that that led that also kind of or are you self-trained in all this yeah so I mean in college I studied communications and PR so that's what kind of led me into NBC Universal and that page program was kind of like I don't know TV grad school and content grad school if you will um but no other than that I kind of just always worked in these industries in the media industry I worked in hospitality I was a executive assistant for a celebrity chef, for lack of a better term. Um, So just kind of like being around and loving these things. I've just been figuring it out as I go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you do have a very specific knack and niche, especially in food publishing, because you're not really focusing on restaurants to go to. You're specifically focused on the home and on hosting. Why did you want to focus on that? And, you know, how do you continue to find inspiration and creativity in the home and the format of the dinner party? So, right. When I was looking at the media landscape, I was like, wow, everything really is about restaurant chefs, television chefs, and often that kind of created an environment of exclusion for black chefs and black beverage producers because we aren't always necessarily only in those those roles so i was like how can i if i actually want to tell black stories and cover the breadth and depth of black food experiences and food ways i can't be a magazine that like champions the restaurant story. I think there's a place for that. But for me, I was like, okay, I've got to go a little bit broader if I want to be able to tell the stories that I want to tell. And like everybody eats at home every day. Like we all kind of like have the random Tuesday night dinner and the dinner experience and we all want to cook and we all want to host people. So I was like, this is the way that I can tell more personal stories and meet people where they are. I mean, when I started the magazine in 2019, I didn't know how much at home we would be doing in 2020. But um, I knew that enough people, their first affinity for food and their connection to food and people was at home. So it just felt like a natural direction for me. Right. And how have you been eating in the in the pandemic? And how is how have things maybe changed for you? Um, I definitely eat and cook at home more. I think, you know, pre-pandemic, in working in events and doing productions, I was always out and about doing meetings. So I was always stopping at, you know, the bodega or the deli or, you know, doing work. I was always such like a solo diner with my computer in the corner that I had made friends with the restaurant staff. So they were cool with me being in the back working and eating for like several hours. So that of course had to change. I had to do so much more, um, cooking and meetings and virtual coffees than ever before. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I still, I really love food and I find my creativity in trying new recipes. And, you know, I was briefly baking bread with everybody else. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I think I'm still kind of trying to find those places where I can either grab takeout or be inspired by one of these chefs and, and make their recipe at home. So not too much different, perhaps a little better on the wallet. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, yeah. And in the second edition of While Entertaining, you, which was published during the pandemic, you, you focus specifically on what you, you call reflections and recipes. And it kind of just acts as a cookbook and, and kind of a capsule of how inwardly focused we were at a certain point in time. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to gather like these specific folks together to make this collection? And how did you decide on that approach? Yes. So this, I mean, this approach is the approach that I'll probably keep for all issues of Wall Entertaining Magazine, like giving people stories and putting them next to recipes and pairing tips and playlists and all of that, because I really want to like start making food stories and experience that lives with us in real life. So I think that format will be the same, but in tackling this topic, I, at first I was kind of like, well, this is awkward because I'm starting a magazine that's about entertaining and inviting people over to eat with you. And the CD said, CDC said, we cannot invite people over to eat. <laughs> so that was like my first moment of like, Ooh, this is, this is about to get interesting. But then second, as I just was like living in the pandemic and canceling all of my events and eating a ton. I was kind of like really curious about how everybody else was experiencing this and how they were slipping into new routines and what they were thinking about or writing about or coping. So that kind of like inspired the whole reflections part of the theme was like, I want to eavesdrop on (laughs) what other people are thinking about and doing and how they're getting through this. Because I know that I've got this new routine and I've been, you know, reflecting on work styles and what it means to rest. So I just started asking people in food and drink, like, what are you eating right now? What are you thinking about? What are you writing about? What do you want to talk about? And that's kind of how I guided the issue. And it was so interesting to see the, just the vastness of that, right? Like we've got mm-hmm. some chefs, like Kalisa Marie Martin was writing about like figuring out what her identity was when she wasn't a chef. And I thought that was something that everybody could kind of relate to. Like how often do we explain ourselves by our work? But when you strip that back, what is it that I like to do? And who am I? And what is my identity? (laughs) Right? It became this really like normal and like almost like not food related, but kind of food related conversations that were so interesting. So I just kind of kept leaning into that with everybody else that I talked to. And that's how we got here. Right. And, you know, there are big names in here like Chris Scott and Mavis J. Sanders, Lenny Halliday, uh, who else? Hawa Hassan. Mm-hmm. How have you made all these connections and how did you decide to include these these folks specifically? Yes. So <laughs> that's a really good question because we're a new magazine and a small magazine and a self-funded magazine. So approaching people at first, site was like, ooh, this is scary. They're not going to take me seriously. (laughs) But then I kind of just leaned into the fact that like, I'm a human and I'm passionate about something and I want to share this, like these stories in particular. So I just told Mm -hmm. people the vision for the project and why I thought it was important to see if they would be willing to do it. Um, And I was always looking for people who had like a strong point of view about something Mm -hmm. and that who would be open or who would be really ready to rally behind this sort of publication existing and taking up space. So that's how I found people. And then, yeah, it was all about being 
friendly with people. I would just email right. them and ask them, like, do you want to talk? Here's what I'm doing. You know, I would slide in their DMs if they posted something that I also related to or wanted to talk about. I would set up virtual coffees to learn what they like and what they might be interested in saying that they don't necessarily get to say in other publications or, you know, are approached about being in other publications. Cause I think we've got like the heavy hitters, but then we also have people that have never been mentioned in the media, but still do great right. work and still have an opinion. So it's just been a lot of talking to the people. It's like not, there's nothing really else to do in quarantine, but talk to people. So <laughs> that's kind of how I've approached it. Right. And you know, you you bring in the playlist with the QR codes. You have like all these cocktail recipes. You have a lot of quotes in here. Like how are you kind of, and also you, I love the illustrations that you have of everyone who's included. How are you, you know, coming into this? I know you're working with Vonnie Williams. Like how are you making all these creative decisions for the magazine? And, and what does it mean to be self-funded to you? <laughs> this is a great question. So making creative decisions for the magazine is, it's interesting because I've always kind of started, I started to be hosted and while entertaining as a solopreneur, you know, right. as the world would call it, but I've always had these incredible friends and these incredible like industry friends, for lack of a better word, and like community that was around me that if I was like, here's my idea. I, you know, I put it on a post-it on my wall and I want to tell you about it. They will be awfully honest with me <laughs> about what can, what's going to fly and what's not going to fly. So mm -hmm. leaning into the people around me, um, both who like share the same vision as me and also, you know, other people who are like, I really don't get it. <laughs> or I don't think this is smart. Or what do you mean you're only doing dinner parties? And what do you mean you're only covering black people? Like having that balance of voices that contradict yours to kind of weigh in has been really helpful to me. Um, just in terms of like coming up with this creative vision and also not really looking to the left or the right. Like I'm aware of other magazines and other food media coverage and their approaches mm -hmm. to it. But like, following my own vision and breaking my own <laughs> rules. I kind of stick to that, right? Like we're a yearly magazine. The whole magazine has one theme or question or prose, you know, we're kind of, again, it includes the pairing tips and the playlist and all the things that maybe not everybody is doing all the time. And I'm like, this is just, this is just what we're going to do and who we're going to be. And if people think that we're a magazine, if people think that we're food media or not food media or smart or not smart, this is where we're kind of sitting. So that has been the approach that I've made. And again, just leading into all the voices. I remember chatting with Bonnie and I'm being like, okay, so this is how I want to organize it. Do you hate this? And her feeling comfortable to say whether or not she hated it. Um, that I've been really lucky to have people that want to be honest with me and want to work with me and, and just see me figure this thing out. Right. And, you know, in the landscape of food media, um, it is interesting and wonderful to see, you know, the success of Whetstone magazine owned by Stephen Satterfield and the launch uh, for the culture by Clancy Miller. And, you know, where do you see while entertaining? And also, well, you know what, I'm going to ask you that question, and then I'll ask you <laughs> what I have in my head next. But um, like, where do you see while entertaining in like the indie publishing landscape? Um, 
or do you, you know, do, do you feel a part of a, a wave of, of new magazines? Yes, I certainly feel I certainly feel a part of it. And I, I love chatting with Stephen Satterfield for Whetstone. You know, he has somebody from the beginning that has always taken my calls and answered my yeah. emails on how to do this thing, like from a business perspective, how to do this thing. And even um, Carrie Diamond from Cherry Bomb also has like welcomed me into this um, indie magazine landscape. So it's really been it's been exciting and new, and I definitely feel like while entertaining fits in, I think about, you know, our perspective is food and entertaining specifically, and then mm-hmm. also looking at home and personal stories. So I think we've kind of created a lane that's very specific to us, but also fits in this larger, like, indie magazine landscape and Black-owned publishing landscape and Perhaps, you know, again, we're only like a yearly magazine and we print on very heavy paper and it's everything is independently shot and like really like leans into the beauty of it all. So Mm -hmm. I do think we have like my vision is to be in the collector's category. Like this is something Mm -hmm. that's super functional and you can cook from it and you can read and you can relate and can spark conversation. But also this is something that you want to have each one because it kind of commemorates where black food and drink people were in this moment of time for each year and kind of holding on to that. So, yeah, no, and that, and that's what I love about the magazine too, because it's going deeper and getting broader because of its specificity. Mm -hmm. And because you're, you're bringing in so many people who might be, not necessarily ignored by mainstream food media, but mm-hmm. not get this kind of space and this kind of, you know, a depth. Uh, of, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, how do you see, you know, mainstream food media? Like, do you read it? Do you see it as good? <laughs> do you see it changing for the better? Like, what is your perspective? I definitely read it because I love I love food and I love <laughs> I do love talking about food. Um, so I do read other publications, and you know when I think about like some of the mainstream media and the bigger food media, I wish we could challenge them even more than we have in the past year mm-hmm. in terms of like the different voices and the different stories that they tell, but also. I mean, I kind of, from a business perspective, I also respect your decision to not do so or not change your perspective or field of voice. Um, So in that case, I'd love to see them create more championing of the indie magazines and the more niche perspective media that is arising because of their their lack of coverage for for the stories that we want to cover. So I definitely, I think there's a need for all of it, right? Like we're always going to want to read a couple articles before we go try a new restaurant or understand why, you know, this person's concept for this location is different than that location. I think there's a place for all of it. But I think when I think about while entertaining and what I want to do, as an indie magazine, I think about making food related art more so Mm -hmm. than just like pumping out a lot of different stories or pumping out a lot of different recipes. It's where you have the luxury of being able to slow down and not answer to any advertisers or any clicks Um, and really do (laughs) and do things that, that we're passionate about. Yeah. And now that the world is opening up a bit, we're, get being told vaccinated people can gather at home. (laughs) What are you 
envisioning for the next issue uh, with this new new world and new world? <laughs> <laughs> I, I envision so many things. I mean, first of all, I'm super excited for like post-vax parties and dinner parties and to have that come back and have more people feel comfortable about, you know, doing shared plates, and, you yeah. know? So I'm really excited about that. I hope that people who have the magazine and who have gone through and read the stories are now starting to envision like how this recipe lives on their table and who they want to cook it for and who they want to invite over to talk about different things. So I'm excited for people to start having that experience. Um, I mean, I've already started thinking about the 2022 issue. We start working on it uh, in the next month or two. So I, I bounce between themes. I, I mentioned that, like, you know, I come from a very athletic family. And one thing that I recall hearing my dad say is, like, this is a rebuilding year and, like, a reference to a basketball team that just lost, right. like, a really big <laughs> player. I'm like, what is there about a rebuilding year, like the post pandemic, like how are we rebuilding our businesses and rebuilding our families? Cause a lot of people lost loved ones and, and just rebuilding our world and rebuilding our social calendar, like something like that feels really interesting to me. I also feel like I'm on the fence. I could run away from the pandemic and pretend it didn't happen and do editorial <laughs> entirely based on something else. So I think that's the nice thing about the magazine is I could just keep a running list of themes and find the right moment for that theme and then find the right people that want to talk about that theme. Right. And, you know, what are your plans for to be hosted? Is it coming back in, in full force? Are you already making plans for new events? Yes, we are already making plans for new events. We have a few booked for the summer and the fall. And I'm really just trying to expand that brand. We'll still focus on dinner parties, but I'd love to focus on more like video content and like storytelling in this experience world. I'd also like, I mean, this is a whole separate tangent, but I'd also like to be hosted to have a venue where we can be hosting our dinners and also like recording content because I think there's Mm -hmm. something to the necessity of safe spaces for black creators and black culinary talents, like have a space where they can go where like the venue coordinator isn't going to change rules and change energy when they see that the whole staff is black. Right. Like I really want um, to build safe spaces around to be hosted. So I think venue is next on my mind for that. That's amazing. And I love that plan. I I just think it's a brilliant idea and it's a brilliant expansion of, of that that concept. And I, I am a little jealous because I do love planning events. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I know how hard it is, like deeply, deeply difficult and exhausting, but also like so fun. And, it's so fun and rewarding. Yeah, yeah, it's really rewarding. And I mean, I get to plan my wedding, but that's about <laughs> it. For the, for <laughs> um, well, for you, is cooking a political act? Um. Yes. I hesitate because I like, yeah, I am not a chef. So like, right. I understand why a lot of chefs and food people have feel that cooking is very politically charged. And like, historically, there's many reasons why it should be. But I'm hesitant to answer that question, because I don't feel like I'm uh, <laughs> like a chef or a professional cook that like, can really do that question justice. Where right. my mind also kind of went when you said that it, it, is into my specific niche of like, 
hosting and entertaining, for me, that is very political because we exist in this kind of space where like, if black people are talking about entertaining and hosting and cooking and doing kind things to people when they're in their home, you kind of lean toward like these mammy vibes, right? Like there's, and if you're thinking about like, for lack of a better term, the domestic goddess of it all, those are all white women or Martha Stewart adjacent women or models. (laughs) And I don't really fit that. So when I'm talking about entertaining and, and doing a magazine about entertaining and having a company about entertaining and having black people lead those things and those black people not subscribing to either the stereotypes that America has put upon us or the stereotypes that like social media gives their energy to, but just like Mm -hmm. being black, you know, being black or brown, being a person of color and being really empowered about cooking and entertaining and not feeling like you're subscribing to anything problematic. But like, you know, I work, I cook, I clean, and I do these things because I want to, and I want to make people feel good. And I want people to come over and have fun, not just to be the person that's serving them something. Um, That for me is very political. And I take that part of my work very seriously (laughs) about not subscribing to these really problematic views of perfection that comes with a domestic goddess or problematic views of servitude that comes with being American. So right. That's right. where that's where the politics kind of sit for me. Well thank you so much again for taking the time today. Yes, thank you for having me. I loved this chat and I love what you're doing with your platform. So I'm excited to be part of it. Thank you.